Men of honor, strength, and integrity have long been essential in society. The Honorable Man Podcast is a celebration of such men. Here, we will discuss men in history and those today that exemplify what it means to be an honorable man. Let's go. All right, let's go. I'm Ed Jones, and welcome to the Honorable Man Podcast, a podcast dedicated to men who've chosen the path of honor, strength, and integrity. If you're looking to become a better man, you've come to the right place. Greetings to the Baron. Tim, how are you? What's up? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how are you doing, Big Daddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, nice. Producer Bill, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm I'm better than a pig in shit. <laughs> That could take us down so many different roads. I'm, just gonna, I'm, just, I'm literally going to ignore that. Ignore that comment. All right. So we've been calling Tim the Baron because he is a Baron, but there's a story associated with Tim's Baronhoodness. Baronness. The Baronhoodness. I also go by Lord. Uh, Lord, Lord Farquaad. <laughs> hey, that's, uh, I'm actually having uh, a sip out of uh, there. You a, go, my collector. Oh, there you go. Mark out that's of, right, Bill. You are a big Shrek fan, right? I, I am. Big. Yeah, I love Shrek. So he is Donkey. literally. I, Lord I for many years I associated myself with uh, with Shrek. You know, I oh. I have layers. Oh. <laughs> like an onion. Right. Like an onion. <laughs> so so I want Tim to tell the story of uh, first of all what led him to seeking out the Baron title or getting it bestowed upon him and then the the the, uh, the, uh, the things that happened afterwards. So I'll, I'll try to keep this pretty brief, but um, as all the COVID stuff hit, I became very vocal and uh, I researched stuff very well and uh, I was at a health department and a health department board meeting. So I go to all these board meetings and I speak at them and I was speaking at one and some lady who was a PhD said, you will address me as doctor. Well, so overall what she was doing was using the title of doctor, not in context. She was not a medical doctor, but she said that you'll, you'll address me as doctor. So, um, fast forward to a week that bothered me. Like I was like, Oh man. Yeah. But isn't it a fair assessment to say, if you can't write a prescription, you really aren't a doctor. Uh, hey, it's Dr. Jill Biden for you. Yeah. No, it's yeah, right. a doctor. Um, but anyway, fast forward a week, I happened to um, leave the next week to an event that we sponsored through patchops.com um, down in Florida. And I, I met up with a group of people and they were showing me and telling me, he's like, I'm a baron. I was like, what's a baron? I didn't even really know. And uh, But he, he told me he's a baron of Sealand. And so I he told me how he came upon that. And it's a it's a title that you can actually purchase. and um, Like a PhD. Like, exactly. <laughs> so... <laughs> no, no offense to any PhDs uh, no listening. I'm Obviously, sure you're wonderful, very, wonderful very people. Well educated people. However, uh, don't throw that title around just on the title because it can be very misinterpreted when you're saying, no, I'm a doctor. And that's why I'm speaking about COVID, which is what I was kind of like stung a little bit and like where I was frustrated. Anyway, I went, he told me the process. I was like, huh, well, this next health board meeting is going to be lit because <laughs> I will now be addressed as Baron. So, yeah, I went through the process. And I'm a I'm a legit I'm a baron of Sealand, which is a small um, island structure off of the coast of England. Uh, so, anyway. <laughs> Fast forward after I purchased that title to a school board meeting, and uh, ironically, we had another PhD um, who only 
addressed himself or introduced himself as doctor at that school board meeting. And uh, so it was fresh in my mind. So I got to drop that at a school board meeting after um, the doctor who was completely misinformed and and basically talked out of his rear end the entire time. Um, But he he threw that title out as doctor. And uh, as soon as I got up to speak, I made sure to tell everybody that I will be addressed as the Baron. Um, it is also a title I purchased and is meaningless in this conversation. So it's uh, been a running inside joke for all of us. Um, so I, I do prefer <laughs> to be addressed as the Baron because I have earned that right just as much as, um, maybe not as much as, but it is a, a purchased title that uh, makes me laugh. And that's why we address um, or say that the Baron in, in everyone because it, Titles are meaningless in conversation, and uh, so many people use them. Uh, so use them to your advantage sometimes, and that's what I did. So Yeah, and I would like to attribute the uh, the successful vote that we achieved at that school board meeting. Absolutely. Only, <laughs> the, only, the only reason we got that is because the school board was in awe that they were standing in front of or they were sitting in front of a, of a baron, and they, they took, I could see him, they took every, they were hanging on every word he said. <laughs> hey, well, such, such gravitas. He's, I am, this guy is a baron. Very he came out. all this way from Sea Sea. He's, he's the Patrick Henry of Painesville. Sure. <laughs> you know, even even funnier on that, that whole school board meeting where we successfully convinced the school board to vote down a mask mandate um, was the social media. I've talked on the previous episodes, when you stand up and you take a stand and you speak out, you're going to take some arrows so the social media posts the next day um were pretty comical because it was like and some guy who's a baron apparently did they say I, that yeah i don't even know what that is but yeah it was uh yeah can I, I actually have a title but i'd like to add that title can i absolutely can I, okay I can you like, make sure like, i get the info yeah, on that okay. yeah I, I will pass along the info awesome um I, it's interchangeable because i got the special package so i'm, I'm either okay. lord hickey or the baron tim hickey uh, oh um, Okay. But so there's it, options. That's good. it is literally can be stamped on my passport though. So I would appreciate oh, it if you, you gentlemen showed the respect that I have paid for. You have, <laughs> you've got to do that. So yeah, it is a running joke, but um, it, it more. Uh, specifically that um, when somebody throws out a title that is meaningless in your conversation, if you want to fire back, the Baron sounds pretty cool. It does. That's it does. It. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, Baron, what, what do you got for us this week as far as uh, quotes? So this week's quote comes from Frederick Douglass. His liberty is meaningless where the right to utter one's thoughts and opinions has ceased to exist. That of all rights is the dread of tyrants. It is the right which they first of all strike down. They know its power. Thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers founded in injustice and wrong are sure to tremble if men are allowed to reason. Equally clear is the right to hear. To suppress free speech is a double wrong. It violates the rights of the hearer as well as those of the speaker. Right on. That's powerful. So, so in doing research for this particular show, um, and and uh, Frederick Douglass is going to be our our honorable man of his, in history. The guy's got some fantastic quotes. He's got some fantastic quotes. And, and the more research I did into him, I'm I'm actually going to to do a lot more reading on on Frederick Douglass, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But that quote is is fantastic. His autobiography is just it, it's gut wrenchingly hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the guy, the guy is fantastic, and he's right, and he's right. It's the first thing they go for, right? I mean, the the uh, the free freedom of speech. I mean, we're we're really the only country that has it, and, and the only reason we have it quote, has it. Yeah, the, well, the only reason we have it is because of the Second Amendment. Yeah. Without the without the Second Amendment, there is no First Amendment. I think Australia and folks like that are, are finding that out the hard way. Well, and, and we're seeing it now much more in in the more recent years since uh, we've had social media and a centralized control over the messaging. Um, hey, we are on Facebook, The Honorable Man Podcast, so look up our Facebook page. I am freshly out of Facebook jail, so um, I always say this, like every time somebody tries to silence me, I only become louder because I really believe in that right to free speech. And the right to free speech does not come with no consequence. And you cannot be disrespectful and hateful and expect people just to accept it. So when you are speaking out, um, it is something that you have to be aware of. And, and this goes into, you know, the whole flag kneeling thing. Um, and I say all the time, I would much rather stand next to somebody kneeling than to stand next to somebody forced to stand for the flag. So understand that it's a right. Nobody should want to kneel for our flag. Um, that whole flag kneeling thing is completely misdirected. Uh, it should be more focused on their local police departments that they had issue with. But it is within the rights. And I swear I've sworn to defend those rights. And it's something that I take very, very seriously. I don't have to agree with your right for you to say it. And and that's where where I'm at. It's when you try to silence anybody, like you are doing yourself the same disservice. If you can't hear the opposite side of your argument and you just want them silenced, and it overall it, it seems to be the people on the left that want to shout you down and silence you. And you've seen all these uh, more conservative speakers try to go to college campuses and they ban them and all these things. And it's uh, that right to free speech is comes from our creator. Like we should be able to say whatever's on our mind, whether or not anybody has to or wants to agree with 100%. it. They also don't have to listen. Um, and that's fine. I, you know, I most of the time on social media, I feel like I'm shouting at the wind and I don't. It, know if anyone's listening or or overall care it's not going to stop me from saying my messages and and making sure that i am always exercising those rights and absolutely protected by that second amendment and when you remove the second holy cow the first no longer exists because you have no way to protect it anymore so yeah just just so everybody knows where we're coming from as a podcast we are 100 percent behind the first amendment i honestly i don't care what you say I think you should be allowed to say, now obviously there's FCC guidelines and things that you can't say on television because of little ears and all that stuff, but I'm, I say let the racists be racist and let the bigots be bigots and sunlight's the best disinfectant. Let's bring these people out into the, out into the sunlight so we can really see who's out there and what, what their message is. And, you know, I will say the market will dictate when it comes to the free market, free market enterprise and, and free speech is, is along those same, same lines. I mean, Say whatever you want to say. I, I will, the never, never in history has the side that's been censoring people been the good guys. So let's let's let people talk and say whatever they want. And just really think about what you've seen over at least the the last two years. So going back to 2019, or maybe maybe even all the way back to 2016 when they started to um, have some severe political divides, and how they try to silence. And then look at the COVID stuff and. Any competing narrative is, is silenced. Um, and then you have fact checkers. And just this week, 
uh, Facebook filed in a court of law a defense of their policies saying that their fact checks are opinion based. Like, holy <laughs> cow, so was my opinion. My opinion was opinion based that you silence me and then um, remove me from the platform or put me in Facebook jail. And, you know, I just want us all to be able to say what we want, then have the audience of your words determine whether they want to listen to it or not. There is nothing anybody can ever say to me that I'm like, okay, they said it, and I just go along with it. If I disagree with you, I disagree with you, and I'll take the steps to make sure you know that I disagree with you. However, it is your right as much as mine to have your opinion and to vocalize it, and these social media companies have become absolute fascists. I'm going to tell just a, a real quick story um, in my patch ops company um, on Instagram. So going back to Kyle Rittenhouse, we did a fundraiser right when that happened. I've said before, I was a police officer. I watched every video. I analyzed every aspect of it. And uh, if you follow my patch ops page ever, you will see that my initial analysis was 100% accurate on uh, what he could and could not be charged with and that he would walk scot-free. Well, anyway, when we did this fundraiser for him, I was at a rally for backing the blue in in, um, Ohio. I came out of that rally and my entire existence online had been taken down. And that's not just social media pages. Uh, It was Instagram, Facebook, all this for patch ops, but also my Shopify store, so my entire web store, which was the number two performing store for two years in a row, so not a small store on Shopify, they had flipped the switch all because I had supported um, Kyle Rittenhouse and his right to defend himself from the start. So this is literal fascism, and when they they quote unquote anti-fascist. They practice fascism. They want you to be silenced, and they want only approved messages. And, um, you know, the Ministry of Truth is uh, hmm. uh, <laughs> its something that we can never never settle for and never have. So that's my quick story on, on dealing with, you know, art expression, freedom of speech, all those things. You can never have somebody who has control over those things. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's talk about somebody that was a huge proponent of, of uh, the freedom of speech, Frederick Douglass. Uh, Frederick Douglass was born Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey in February of 1817. He was an American social reformer, abolitionist, orator, writer, and statesman. After escaping from slavery in Maryland, he became a national leader of the abolitionist movement in Massachusetts and New York, becoming famous for his oratory and and incisive anti-slavery writings. Accordingly, he was described by abolitionists in his prime as a living counterexample to slaveholders' arguments that slaves lacked the intellectual capacity to function as independent American citizens. Likewise, Northerners at the time found it hard to believe that such a great orator had once been a slave. Douglas wrote three autobiographies describing his experiences as a slave in his narrative of the life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave in 1845, which became a bestseller and, and was influential in promoting the cause of abolition, as was his second book, My Bondage and My Freedom, in 1855. Following the Civil War, Douglass was, act, was an active campaigner for the rights of freed slaves and wrote his last autobiography, Life, life and Times of Frederick, Frederick Douglass. First published in 1881 and revised in 1892, Three years before his death, the book covers events both during and after the Civil War. Douglas also actively supported women's suffrage and held several public offices. Without his permission, this is interesting, without his permission, Douglas became the first African-American nominated for vice president of the United States as the running mate 
and vice presidential nominee of Victoria Woodhull on the Equal Rights Party ticket. Douglas believed in dialogue and in making alliances across racial and ideological divides, as well as, the, as well as in the liberal values of the U.S. Constitution. When radical abolitionists under the motto, no union with slaveholders, quote, no union with slaveholders, unquote, criticized Douglas's willingness to engage in dialogue with slave owners, he replied, I would unite with anybody to do right and with nobody to do wrong. So here's, here's some cool facts about Frederick Douglass. Um, one of the reasons we celebrate Black History Month in February is because of Frederick Douglass. Um, he's, he wasn't exactly sure of his actual birth date, but they knew it was in February, and he actually celebrated on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Um, and that's because his mother called, called him her little Valentine when he was a little boy. Um, Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Th- this, is fa- this, this second one is fascinating. Douglas was the most photographed American of the 19th century, sitting for more portraits than even Abraham Lincoln. So Douglas initially sought out the he initially sought out the cameras, believing that photography was an important tool for achieving civil rights because it offered a way to portray African Americans fairly and accurately. He intentionally did not smile for the camera in part because he wanted to counter the happy slave caricatures that were common at the time, particularly at places such as minstrel show minstrel shows where white actors perform racist skits in blackface. Uh, he chose his name from a poem. Douglas was born with the name Frederick Augustus Washington Bailey, like I said. But after he successfully escaped slavery in 1838, he and his wife adopted the name Douglas from a narrative poem by Sir Walter Scott, The Lady of the Lake. Douglas became a free man thanks to help from European allies. His first autobiography, Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave, was so popular after it was published in 1845, he feared the publicity could lead to his capture, and he chose to live in Ireland and Britain for two years. While abroad, he went on a speaking tour, and his British supporters were so moved, they collected funds to purchase his freedom in 1846. His autobiography remains... Uh, some of the most important and widely read accounts of slavery today. He was the only American, I'm sorry, only African-American to attend the first women's rights convention held in Seneca Falls, New York in 1848. Shortly after the convention, Douglas wrote in his influential weekly abolitionist newspaper, The North Star, quote, in respect to political rights, we hold women to be justly entitled to all we claim for man, unquote. In 1866, he co-founded the American Equal Rights Association with Lucretia Mott, Elizabeth Candy Stanton, and other feminist leaders supporting suffrage for all people. Uh, During the Civil War, he passionately helped enlist free black men to fight in the Union Army, convinced it would help African Americans win freedom, respect, and full citizenship. Uh, He was the first African American to receive a vote for president at at a major political party convention. The vote came from the Kentucky delegation during the Republican National Convention in 1888. So in 1888, the Republican... The Republican group of Kentucky nominated or, or uh, cast their vote for Frederick Douglass. That's, that's fantastic to me. Um, he was the first African-American to receive a vice presidential nomination, like I said earlier. Um, and most of his possessions were lost in a devastating fire in 1877 while, while he was in D.C. Uh, on business. So just, just an incredible man. Can't fathom, can't begin to imagine the shit he went through in those days. Um, but just a strong and, and the portraits of him, he, he looks like a powerful man. He looks like a powerful man, an intellectual man. Not to be trifled with. No, does not look like he suffers fools. Yeah. Um, And just just a great orator, which is is where he was able to deliver most of his um, key abolitionist uh, rhetoric in his his writing as well. But just a a great American. And and going back to tie this all in, and we mentioned the First Amendment, and if you really 
look and understand the Constitution. The Constitution restricts the government, not the citizen. Hmm. And where we're starting to see um, actual infringements on our free speech and people that want to silence us. And again, liberty is meaningless where the right to utter one's thoughts and opinions has ceased to exist. This goes far beyond, or it goes beyond the First Amendment, because now we're having private companies start to do that. And um, the First Amendment is designed for the government not to be able to do that. But we're seeing it much more extensively where the government has worked with these larger corporations to silence us because they know they can't because of our constitution. So um, one thing that you read off that uh, it made me chuckle um, was his liberal values of the constitution. Like, uh, the word liberal has changed so yeah. much throughout yeah, class, our history. Classical liberalism. Classical yeah, liberal. the Jeffersonian liberalism. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, even, like, post-Jefferson, like, look at Kennedy. Um, Kennedy was very liberal at his time, but holy cow, he would be a staunch conservative in his values. Oh, Bill Clinton, uh, too. Bill, yeah, I was about yeah, to say. even yeah. Bill Clinton. Slick Willie, yeah. Um, so it's it's crazy, and, and when um, I always throw out the term that liberalism is a mental disorder, but that is applied to the very extreme left that we're faced with Progressivism. now. Yeah. Progressivism, yeah. I guess, is the, the much better um, application of that. So, uh, But at the time... You know, these interpretations of the Constitution were much more liberal, and um, they did want to silence anything that came out. And history repeats itself. We're just seeing it on a different scale at this point and different ways that they've tried to silence us. Like, holy cow, they, they kicked uh, President Trump off of social media and take, took away his voice and message when— Man, like that just blows my mind that we allowed that to happen. Right. Well, one of the, the major failings, I think, in the Trump administration, other than the fact he didn't pardon Julian Assange and Edward Snowden, is the fact that he never pursued any kind of hard legislation against Section 238 in regards to, as you're talking, like the private companies, quote unquote, mm -hmm. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, now that they have completely silenced their political opposition and using it as, as a weaponized form of tyranny. Uh, you know, I, and I don't know if this is out of place or not, but as we're talking, the thing that comes to my mind, you know, we have the First Amendment, have the Second Amendment, and, you know, to quote Dave Chappelle, the first one fails, the second one is there to back it up. But I would just encourage people, use that First Amendment now so that we can avoid things going kinetic and using that second. Yeah, and, um, you know, we're, we're getting dangerously close to North Korea style of dictatorship and tyranny that we're faced with. So it, it's very troubling the, the way that um, we have allowed these corporate entities to take control over it. And the government's smart enough, um, although they're not the smartest agency out there, they think they're crafty enough. And what they've done is use these tools um, that is outside of their purview uh, and had them applied to us. And we've seen it even, again, with the COVID stuff and the, the health restrictions and, and these mandates that have been challenged and failed in the court of law. They've known all the time, all, all the while, that these would be challenged right. in the court and that right. they don't have this. That's authority. why they use private, so private companies to even get their here, stuff done. Absolutely. And in Ohio, um, Governor DeWine tried to cancel the primaries, the Democratic primaries, when COVID first started. He tried it through the courts, and the courts said, hey, you don't have the authority. So what did he do? He appointed Amy Acton, the health director, and then did it that way. So 
you know, it's uh, a lot of attorneys that have learned loopholes uh, to get around because they know that the government doesn't have that authority. That authority um, is restricted for the government, not the citizen, in the First Amendment. So it's um, a slippery slope that we're in. I, I don't know. I'm never going to be silenced. Hell, we started a podcast to make sure that we are not silenced. We can't stop so talking about we stuff. We can't stop mm-hmm. talking. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Guys, check out Frederick Douglass. Do a deep dive on him. A um, lot, lot of good lot of good stuff there, a lot of inspirational stuff. So health and wellness this week, sunlight and vitamin D. A recent study shows that in people with low levels of vitamin D, taking supplements more than halved the risk of dying of any cause compared to someone who remained deficient. A study of 10,899 adults done by the University of Can- Kansas uh, determined that 70% of the patients were under 30 nanograms of vitamin D per milliliter, um, and they were at significantly higher risk for a variety of heart diseases. So 30 nanograms is the level that many experts consider sufficient for good health, and the, um, they, did, they basically tested 11,000 adults in Kansas and uh, determined that 70% were below the uh, recommended um, levels in their blood. People with deficient levels of vitamin D were more than twice as likely to have diabetes, 40% more than likely to have high blood pressure, 30% more likely to suffer from cardiomyopathy, a a diseased heart muscle, um, as people without the deficiency. So what is vitamin D? Vitamin D is a nutrient that helps the body use calcium and phosphorus to build and maintain strong bones and teeth. Too little vitamin D can cause calcium and phosphorus levels in the blood to decrease, leading to calcium being pulled out of the bones to help maintain stable blood levels. So you don't get enough. Your body is all about osmosis, right? It's all about maintaining balance. So it's going to pull, it's going to pull from where there are calcium stores, and that, that's in your bones. So how do we get vitamin D? We should get about, this is fascinating. We should get about 90% of our vitamin D from the sun and only about 10% from our food. So we know where we live. That's not happening. We also know that it's um, 9 o'clock at night, and I think I just got sunburned when I went outside. So <laughs> I am a ginger. So so uh, for, you know, living in northern uh, United States and throughout Canada, sun isn't as strong enough during the winter months to make sufficient vitamin D, even if the weather was warm enough to expose the skin for a long time. Adults should consider getting their vitamin D levels checked through a simple blood test and take the necessary supplementation if needed. So how's it work with regards to the sun? So the sun being the principal source of vitamin D, um, the sun's energy is used used by the skin to produce, I can't even begin to say that word, there's a long word, it's a form of vitamin D known as D3. Uh, and once the vitamin D is uh, produced in the skin or consumed in food, it requires chemical conversion in the liver and kidney to form um, another long vitamin D molecule that I'm not going to say. Um, so basically the sun, your skin absorbs it, it ends up being processed through the liver, and that's how we the body turns the sunlight into vitamin D. Um, five minutes of daily sun exposure will help produce the level of vitamin D that your body needs. So five minutes of daily sun. And that's crazy. That 11,000 pe- uh, 70% of 11,000 people, so 7,500 people in Kansas, weren't getting five minutes of, of uh, daily sun in this test. Interestingly enough, and I, I know this, I know how this is going to sound, and you may hit on it in a moment, but as uh, the Baron was talking about being more 
fair in his complexion, uh, that actually goes back to genetics from creation. And basically, the fairer your skin is, the less exposure to vitamin D or uh, the sun you need to satisfy the vitamin D elements in your sure, body. Sure. So the, and I'm not trying to be away, but the darker your complexion is, the more important more, more sun, it is yeah. that you get more sunlight or more vitamin D because your body by genetics requires more for a healthy standard of living. So I'm going to um, interject on that real quick as a ginger um, who had his <laughs> vitamin D levels tested that I had my vitamin D levels tested. I had a seven. Now I'm very active. We go out and hike. We go to the met- we go to the metro parks uh, at least when it's warm out several times a week. Um, so I'm not positive about the absorption rate or how that works. Um, but what I did learn was that a veteran brother of mine who uh, I talked to also had a seven. He is not fair skinned. So it's kind of curious. And if you're a veteran out there listening and you have never had your vitamin D checked, I encourage you to, because I don't know, maybe it was some of the stuff that they injected into us on top of my Irish descent that has led to that. But um, I've read studies that military veterans are vitamin D deficient. Huh. Huh. My numbers were scary low. A seven is very low. And I think uh, Ed said uh, 33 was what's supposed to be average. Then, And I hate to mention COVID. Like that hopefully the overall our podcast kind of gives you a brief break on all that stuff. But the vitamin D deficiency and COVID complications go like they're very real. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, which is actually because I had COVID and I treated it with ivermectin and high doses of uh, zinc, quercetin, vitamin uh, or vitamin C and vitamin D. And when I was doing the research, that's when actually I came across that. So that's yeah. an interesting piece of information in regards to the veterans. There yeah, might be something and, there to investigate. Uh, yeah, it, absolutely. So um, the vitamin D test. It is not common if you go to your doctor. You have to specifically request it. It is not on your regular blood screening, but uh, I've never had an issue getting it. Um, I take vitamin D supplements. It was kind of funny because the doctor was like, hey, you need to go get more sun. I'm like, are you looking at me? Like, I'm getting sunburned in the light right now. But I actually do. I go out. um, Like, I spend time outside. I'm not an inside person. And um, so my body doesn't absorb it well. But holy cow, is it important? Like, listen to all the things that um, Ed just said and the complications that you have and then put it into some sort of context with COVID and start to research vitamin D deficiencies and COVID complications. And you're going to be like, oh, man. So um, so get tested. You're, you were more likely to catch COVID, I believe, if you were vitamin D deficient yeah. and in addition to the um, symptoms being significantly worse. So interestingly enough, I got COVID last January, almost a year ago. And I was significantly vitamin D deficient. Um, so and didn't know it, but since uh, they, so this will throw the monkey wrench into it. Um, they both had COVID and were um, somewhat sick from it. Uh, I had COVID. I didn't even have one symptom. Like I felt that I was fine the entire time, maybe a little bit tired. But uh, when I took the antibody test, they identified um, within the last, uh, this was a a couple months ago now, but within the last six to eight weeks that I had carried that virus and I vitamin D deficient definition of myself, I didn't have those complications. So um, it's obviously not cookie cutter. None of this stuff is, and it's not a one size fits all, but uh, just 
ask your doctor. Say you want a vitamin D test and check those levels because it is very important, um, not just against COVID, but your overall health uh, improves. So since I've been taking the supplements, one of the things I've been uh, afflicted with since the military is back pain and all of these things have improved as my vitamin D levels went up. Um, so it's like a constant thing that um, I should be taking much more vitamin D than I, than I still am. Like I think I take 4,000 IBU um, close to that a day like or every other day or something like that. I can't remember it. Um, but it's important. So go get those levels checked. You might be very surprised at where you're at on that. Yeah, and just a quick disclaimer, we are not doctors. We are not uh, financial advisors. So anything you hear from this podcast, take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research. We're just trying to give you some things to think about. I think Bill said the I word, ivermectin. I don't know. Yeah, we're not even allowed to say that. Joe Rogan's my physician. The FBI is going to bust down the store. Where can you get vitamin D in food? Vitamin D is found naturally in oily fish such as salmon, tuna, and sardines. It is also added to milk, soy beverages, and margarine, but I would not recommend soy beverages or margarine. I think those things are they have their own. Again, not a doctor, but I think those things are horrible for you. So, guys, get vitamin D. Go have your vitamin D checked. Um, my wife suffers from or suffered from um, numbness in her lower leg, and we couldn't. And, you know, you go on WebMD. And you walk out of there, you you have Lou Gehrig's disease or MS yeah, or all these things. She's she's literally worrying herself sick over this. They do a blood test. Her vitamin D was insanely low. She started taking a supplement. Those the the leg numbness went away. Um, so just go get checked. Don't be afraid to have your blood work done. And uh, you know, take the right steps to to take care of yourself. So again, get some sunlight, get some vitamin D supplements if necessary, and uh, take care of yourself. So our next segment is Shit at the Fan Prep. As always, we want to give you guys some ideas uh, in case there is uh, some sort of incident that uh, requires us to get off the get off the grid or uh, the grid goes down or we got a bug out or, or what, what do you got for us, Tim? So I'm going to talk today a little bit about a bug out bag, and I'd be remiss if I did not credit um, our brother and founder, of the Sub-Zero Mission, www.subzeromission.org. Um, his name's Al Raditz. He's the, the first person that made me realize that um, overall, a bug out bag's a very good idea in an emer- emergency situation. You never know if something happens and you have to leave your castle for any reason and you have to take your family. And these are meant to be um, temporary solutions that can help you survive for a few days in uh, emergency situations. So what is a bug out bag? Bug out bags have many names from emergency go bags to 72-hour bags, evacuation wake evacuation bags and others. These bags are designed for emergency situations and can help you survive self-sufficiently for up to three days. Why should you invest in a bug out bag? Well, there's many reasons to own one. The main one is that what if scenario? What if the shit hits the fan? What if we had societal breakdown? We are broadcasting from maybe five miles, 10 miles within a nuclear power plant. If any, and ironically, back in the 70s and 80s, we used to have missile sites here that protected that because 
um, at the time they were afraid that the Russians would come across and bomb our peri-nuclear power plant. So if anything happened to, to the power plant, we would all have to bug out. And uh, so we have to be prepared for that. So a bug out bag allows us to be prepared for those emergency situations um, within, in, within a wide variety of situations. So now that you know what a bug out bag is and how crucial it is to own one, the question remains, what kind of supplies should go inside it? After all, it's pretty daunting to pack just for emergencies. If left to our own devices, most of us would bring some pretty unnecessary and heavy stuff. We're going to spare you the tough decisions and give you a general list. But before we do, let's talk about the different ways to go about packing your bug out bag. First and foremost, you want to ask yourself how much weight you're able to carry. Don't overestimate your physical prowess. This stuff gets pretty heavy. Typically, you should aim somewhere between 20 and 45 pounds, but the lighter is always better. Of course, if you're able to carry more weight, you can feel free to add more items to your bag. You can also customize it according to where you live, what natural obstacles you might face, and any other unique situations that you could run into. You can choose a small bug out bag or a large one. It's entirely up to you. You can also decide whether you want to purchase your own bag and essential items separately. Another option is to buy a pre-packaged one for sale. These kits are usually anywhere between $130 and $150. They're incredibly light and some weigh less than 10 pounds. The best part is that these bags contain only the lightest products on the market and are stuffed to the brim, so you don't have to worry about the impossible task of fitting everything in. So these are the basics and the essentials that you should have in your survival slash bug out bag. Tools and weapons. To survive, you'll of course need some sort of tools and weapons, and here are a few of the most important to have in this bag. A pocket knife, a multi-purpose tool, a handsaw, a handgun, duct tape, <laughs> duct tape can, you know, duct tape is made locally to us, and uh, Man, such an underrated product. You can use that for everything. That should be essential for your bug out bag. Paracords um, and carabiners. Having the right tools in your pack can make all the difference in a survival scenario. Uh, the next essential item should be technology. We recommend having these digital gadgets on hand to ensure your safety in the event of emergency. Cell phone and charger, headlamp, flashlight, lantern, uh, a radio, a portable battery pack, even a respirator and a gas mask. Um, from basics to, well, <laughs> cell phones, you want to have the right gadgets on hand when things go south. Um, if things go really bad, those networks could be down. Um, there is always going to be some sort of radio waves available. So I know myself and producer Bill um, have backup communications where um, we can talk to each other if something happens. So um, I'll at least have one friend if the shit hits the fan. <laughs> so the next one is uh, navigation. So staying on the right path is crucial, crucial when out in the wilderness. These two items will keep you in the right direction. And that 
is a very simple map and a compass. Um, if you've never used a map and a compass, which, you know, we've gotten very far and very comfortable in all the things that we have in society where GPS, man, my dad was a human GPS. Like he could go through Cleveland, Akron, Canton, and he could tell you, turn right on a street I've never heard of at this landmark. I am mostly retarded. I rely on GPS. Me too. Then I still miss exits. So I also have had um, the land navigation training through uh, the Marine Corps where I'm able to read a map. So make sure you have a map and a compass so that you know where you are because GPS might fail. The next one, some sort of food and water. Humans can't, we stress upon this a lot in the, this podcast, uh, the food and water and survival. Um, those are obviously, should be all of our main focus, but humans can't survive without food and water. Besides having at least three days worth of ready to eat food, you want to have the following. A portable canteen or water bottle, a water filter, water purification tablets, some sort of vessel to boil water in, Maybe even a spork. The spork is <laughs> spork should. It, it's not getting the sporks the, are awesome. It doesn't get the fame and recognition that the spork deserves, yeah, man. Great. The spork is. Uh, I think it's a, the name. <laughs> yeah, I know. People don't want to they say that. They should have named it better, but holy cow, the spork was a great invention. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing uh, you want to make sure you have in your bug out bag is clothing. Who doesn't tend to overpack when it comes to clothes, but here's a bare bones list of bug out bag gear that we recommend with waterproof fabric, obviously being an ideal option. Two pairs of underwear, long johns and thermal tights, pants, a belt, top base layer, and a jacket. Shout out to Sub-Zero. Nobody should freeze to death in America. But these are things that you might not think are overall essential or the first thing because a lot of people think of these survival bags or bug-out bags as the clothes on my back. But um, you have to be prepared. You don't know how far you're going to have to travel. You don't know the situations that you're going to be getting yourself into. So it's better to be somewhat prepared. Make sure that you're warm. A scarf, a gaiter, a bandana, um, two pairs of socks. You know, they say in the the infantry all the time, uh, drink water and change your socks. You're, You're feet are the most important to keep dry and protected so make sure you're changing your socks and and that you have some socks in your bug out bag the next one is shelter aside from being hydrated and fed staying warm and dry is the second most important survival tactic these items can help you do just that a tent or a hammock a sleeping bag or a tarp like that's pretty simple once again don't just store these. Make sure you're comfortable with using them. Like, I can't emphasize that enough. You don't want to be in a situation where you've never applied any of these items. Um, so make sure that you're comfortable. Test them out. Put the hammock up in your yard. Throw that tent up. Um, we bought one of those tents that you just throw and it pops up. That has made my life so much happier. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with two young boys and trying to set up a tent. Um, sometimes I can get loud. All right, the next one is personal items. Some personal items we can go without. However, some are a necessary evil. A multi-purpose soap, toilet paper. I know that um, it seems at the beginning of 2020, toilet paper was number one on everybody's list. So, um, but toilet paper is a very essential item. Trash bags and Ziploc bags, a towel, hairbrush, toothbrush, and toothpaste, cash, identification and other important documents 
Um, think about this for a minute, and here are like the personal items that you might not think that are essential, but they they really are into your continued survival. So a few extras that you might want to think of, depending on how much extra weight you want to carry, consider at consider adding these following items: goggles, a whistle, hand sanitizer or disinfectant wipes lighter matches and a fire starter i would actually bump lighter matches and some sort of fire starter up to absolutely essential um i didn't write this whole list but please make sure that you can have fire um another uh added one that you can throw in is waterproof paper and a pen but there you have it the perfect set of basic items to stow away in your bug out bag real quick i'm going to cover bug out bag mistakes um Keep in mind that these bug out slash survival bags are meant survival, meant for survival and survival alone. One of the biggest mistakes we often find in people is overpacking their bags with unnecessary items that add too much weight. It's easy to think that, quote, bugging out is like camping, but it's not. It is absolutely for survival only. That's why we can't stress enough not to overpack. Also, again, as I said at the beginning, don't overestimate your physical fitness. <laughs> Once you have a bug out bag ready to go, walk around your neighborhood. Um, I might see Bill on that path, and um, but test it out. Like you really need to know if it's too heavy. Like you can't carry it, and you got to start prioritizing some of your items. So keep those things in mind. Again, not an all-encompassing list of survival items, but a good starter. But it's something to start thinking about as um, you know the the threat of any sort of societal breakdown is always there. And for me, after talking to Al, I, I initially purchased the pre-packaged uh, bug out bag for a family of four. So I already know it's not going to be light. Um, so, <laughs> so test that out. But hey, um, most honorable men out there that uh, might be listening, even if you're not married and you don't have kids, you are going to be the pillar in your community where other people are going to look to you to lead them and you might have to take care of a couple people that you didn't even plan on so uh, the biggest coolest thing i think that uh, i purchased for my own survival bag is uh those wa water straws the water filtration straws mm. like um those are excellent excellent items they're very very affordable so these are just things to keep in mind but at least have an option. Like they say, it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in a war. It's better to have a gun and not need one than to not have one and need one. It's better to have a backup plan and a, the survival type of bug out bag than it is um, if shit hits the fan and you got a bail on your house and you have nothing. Oh, man, you're really into something. So just something to think about. Um, research that a little bit further. And I'm sure there's other items you guys can advise us on. Uh, feel free to hit up our page. Send us a message, the Honorable Man Podcast on Facebook, and we will include those next time. Thoughts, Bill? Any thoughts? Suggestion is, I in my bug out bag, I have a couple big mouse traps that you could probably catch a squirrel. So in oh, like rat trap. Yeah. yeah so in we are talking S um, S H T F situation. If you need to eat, if you're not taking a lot of food with you, you're going to get hungry. And and where we live, squirrels and all that kind of stuff is sure. as a commodity. So my recommendation would be, um, I have the wood ones. They're a little lighter. I drilled a hole in the corner, 
get some wire. You can anchor that down so you're not going to have some carry off whatever precious commodity you put on to lure them in. But that might be something you could stick in your pack, and then that would have some help with sustainability with food. Just no, a, I, that's an excellent tip. And uh, a full tang knife would be an awesome addition, also, not just like a folding pocket knife. Again, not an encompassing list, but make sure you're thinking about it and thinking about eating and trapping animals and things that you would need. I know that uh, in my personal bug out bag, like we live across the street from the river on the riverbank, and uh, we have Lake Erie here. I have fishing stuff involved mm-hmm. in there because I know there's always going to be some sort of water source that I can drive to. But you have to really think about these bags are for scenarios where you have to leave yeah. all of your stuff. And I don't know what they really say in the in the event of our power plant melting down, but you got to drive a certain amount of miles. But I calculated it's like up to six or seven hours in any direction from where we're located. And you don't know where that's going to lead you or in what that disaster or some sort of breakdown, where, how far you're going to have to go. But you do have to keep in mind that you need to survive for at least 72 hours until you can come up with a better plan. So that comes to us from uh, Homestead or Dead. That's the name of the blog. Homestead or Dead. And we'll uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, Yeah, great stuff. All right. So we like to talk about honorable men. Um, We talk about Fred Frederick Douglass, the great Frederick Douglass earlier, and and some of his uh, contributions to to what we know today as society. Uh, Let's talk about a man of dishonor. Tim, who do you got for us this week? (laughs) Um, Man arrested for allegedly throwing a live alligator into Wendy's drive-thru window. There are a few things alligators do well. Chomping on stuff, looking like dinosaurs, and gliding around in swamps, marshes, and the like. They are not good at flying, however, and, and as such, should not be tossed carelessly into the drive through window at a Wendy's. Wait a second. How do we know it was carelessly? Ah, maybe it might have been a, a precision call. toss. That's judgment call. Shockingly, this was a Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> a Florida man was arrested recently for allegedly attempting to do just a such thing. While it's unclear whether he was asking employees to cook up the reptile, a Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission incident report says the man heaved the gator into Wendy's restaurant in Royal Palm Beach last October, uh, reports via WPTV. The suspect was only just taken into custody by U.S. Marshals recently, however. Officials say the 23-year-old man had pulled up to grab his order, and a server handed him a drink. When the worker turned around, the man allegedly reached in the back of his truck and threw a three-and-a-half-foot alligator through the open window where it landed inside the restaurant. Law enforcement says the suspect admitted to picking up the alligator by the side of the road and bringing it with him to Wendy's. The gator was later released into a nearby canal to go about his day while the customer is facing charges of aggravated assault and unlawful possession and transportation of an alligator. Manic- <laughs> What? That's a law? What? Unlawful transportation? Why would you throw an alligator? Assault with a deadly alligator. (laughs) Hey, this drink don't have enough ice. Alligator! (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what, um, what... What events could have led to any situation where I'd be like, man, I'm going to throw an alligator at that mofo. <laughs> like, where does that come from? But hmm, well, He could... stopped and picked it up. He, he probably figured 
Had to do something. He's probably going to take it home, and he's like, man, my wife will kill me. I can't take this home. <laughs> what kind of a man can pick up a three-and-a-half-foot alligator with one arm, though, behind yeah, a... Wait, I mean, I'm was, just... Was this an like active the, alligator? It was. Yeah, like, like it and is, it, is the alligator... Yeah, but three-and-a-half isn't that big. I mean, three-and-a-half... It probably weighed said, 20 pounds. That's what she said. <laughs> probably weighed about 20 pounds. <laughs> but, well, uh, still, I mean... It's a baller I, move. Don't get me wrong. Dude, I mean, I mean <laughs> three-and-a-half pounds... I'm sure it wasn't happy. I mean, I still would not... Pick up an alligator, even if it was only three and a half feet long. Like uh, I don't know what where he was coming from, what made him mad, or what made him throw the alligator. But uh, sometimes I do get pissed off at those Wendy's drive-through windows myself. Oh, Never yeah, once have waiting. I considered, hey man, I'm going to throw it. I mean, well, you didn't have people. an alligator. Maybe if you had an alligator in the back of your truck, you might have went like, this is the perfect time to throw an alligator. Well, right I mean, from. I've heaved a lot of things in my day. <laughs> Never an alligator. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, there's a lot of that's a lot of subjectivity in that article. Hey, Heaved. But, <laughs> I, I, I'm just Heaved. going by what the Baron said. He could have softly. Yeah, he could have handed it. But overall, the point is, I guess another weird thing that I never thought I'd say in my life. But please don't throw alligators through any sort of. Fast food. What the hell? Just don't throw <laughs> anything. I, I, you don't even have to say alligators. The, the rule should be don't, yeah, throw, don't anything. throw anything. No and, honorable uh, man is throwing anything yeah, into a fast food drive-through window. Recognize as what, honorable. What if is you going on in Florida? Through. Florida is a very um, different place. Like well, you, you know, when we researched all these. Um, dishonorable men in the news it's like florida man's like the first 30 40 pages it's hard, of not, it's hard not to choose a florida man because they're, they like, they damn. dominate the all the news stories of these I, wacky stuff that apparently we're looking at. that's what i'm saying what's going on in florida uh-huh. what's and in the water also i'm thinking about moving there just so i can be normal yeah, i right. think i would move there wow. and be normal uh, but it's uh florida it hate the- Humidity? I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, it is very hot down there, but um, don't throw any alligators uh, until you hear at least the next episode. I guess that's the, the best advice we can Did he get. say after a while, Crocodile, as he was pulling out? I mean, <laughs> later, so alligator. Catch you later, alligator. <laughs> oh, I only want to wait. Wow. Oh, boy. All right, so this week's call to action is to speak up. Frederick Douglass spent his entire life speaking up. In, in definitely some contentious times for an African-American, um, especially of his intellect, to be speaking up. And um, like I said earlier, probably went through just things we can't imagine from a, from a, a racist, racism standpoint. So honorable men today need to speak up at the things that we're seeing um, in society and the things that we don't agree with. And we need to be heard. And it might cost you relationships. It might cost you friendships. It might cost you something, but if you don't exercise that First Amendment now, it may not be there for you in a year or two to, uh, to, to exercise. So don't be afraid to speak up. You are not alone. There are millions and millions of us out there that feel the same way, and, and we've got your back, and we need to support each other. And speak up. Be heard. Be heard. Tim? Uh, um, definitely, and I can't reinforce that enough because think about it this way. If you are silent and you are already somebody who is maybe an alpha dog out there and you're, you're used to um, speaking your mind, if for some reason you become silent, you never know who is watching you. So think about the, the social media aspect and if you post and say something, you don't know who's seeing that. Um, what really put it into perspective for me is the people that have agreed with me that I never really thought would. They're just more 
likely to be silent themselves. They're they're Reserved. not somebody who will put themselves out there to take that maybe anti-conflict um, overall. Sure. So they don't want that stuff. But if those people see me become silent, then they're going to become even more silent. And what we've seen over these last few years is the more we speak up, there are so many more people out there that want to speak up. They just want somebody to do it first. And those people, their views align, and then they start to begin to speak up on their own. When we started, um, when Ed started the Men of Honor Social Club that we're part of, uh, that was the main feedback that we, we got overall with it is so many people were sitting on their couch and watching all these things happen and getting pissed off inside, but following the media and the media making them feel very isolated, but you're not. You're not isolating your views. Uh, when you speak up, more people will speak up after you, And but it has to be you first. Take that first step and, and speak up, whether it's um, just simple online speaking up. Start to make sure that our values are not getting shouted down. It's very easy to fall into that. Um, one side of the spectrum is very loud, and they scream and stomp their feet at every, every turn that they can. Um, but where we fail is when we're not getting our messages out there. Um, and make sure you're speaking up even just for your kids, your family, or anybody else, your neighbors who wouldn't do it on their own. Make sure that you're the voice in our communities out there that uh, can make sure that our messages carry on far past our own voices. Bill? In the absence of true leadership, you will be force-fed at the whim of madmen, tyrants, and cowards. So I agree with the Baron, and I'd say that you don't have to be somebody like Frederick Douglass. You don't have to be a Patrick Henry. You be you. You were made and created to be an individual, and you have been given a perspective and a voice and a mind. Exercise those as the Almighty has provided for you. And when you step in to that voice, into that sphere of influence, that vacuum of true leadership and true integrity gets filled so I just want to encourage you with that. And speak up with your authentic voice. There's so many people virtue signal and say all the things. And we see it so much in politics and in the media where they just play on your emotions and they virtue signal at every freaking turn and every other sentence. And it, it gets very tiring. So be authentic. Um, speak what's in your heart and be passionate. Never back down and uh, say what's on your mind. We all want to hear it. And also, don't be afraid to speak up with your wallet. Don't support uh, organizations, companies, what have you, that, that hate you. We know who they are. You know who they are. And if you don't, it doesn't take long to figure it out with a little bit of uh, research. So speak up with your voice. Speak up with your wallet. Walk the walk. It's easy to talk the talk, but but please walk the walk. Uh, thanks to show sponsor, Patch Ops. Tim. Hey, Patch Ops and PatchOps.com. Check us out on our social media pages at Patch Operations on Instagram. Uh, it's Patch Ops on Facebook, at Patch Operations on Twitter. We make the baddest patches and decals, and coming soon shirts um, on the entire planet. Uh, I think that you guys, if you are listening to this podcast this many episodes in, you will definitely uh, find some humor in the things that we do. But we are proud sponsors of the Honorable Man Podcast. Um, also check out the Facebook page and website, the Honorable Man Podcast, and the Podcast.com um, so you can keep up with all the things that we do. Bill, what do you got for us? 
I, I would appreciate people getting into my book, Smith's Heart of Man, Repair Manual. A link will be provided below. And I think I love that these guys have been so supportive. Uh, Ed and Tim, and it was something that took me five years to write, uh, went through a horrible divorce, went through a lot of backstabbing, and, and learned a lot of life lessons, and I hope it helps you guys out there. So get a copy. Once again, links on Amazon, and also I have copies if you want on our graph. And check out our podcast we do, Flawcast, Flawcast CLE, anywhere podcasts are. Um, over to you, Big Daddy. All right. Thanks to Bill. Thanks to Tim. The world needs honorable men more than ever. It's time to get out there, step up, get involved, and be honorable. Later, guys. Later. Later.